This is the Marsh and Matt Show with Marshall Kellner and Matt Gallivan. Welcome to another edition of the Marsh and Matt Show. Marshall Kellner and Matt Gallivan along with you and along with Joe Spinoza, one of our uh, one of our most frequent guests. He is, uh, as you know by now, uh, Kirk Cousins' number one fan. We'll talk about that, but we'll talk about uh, more than just that. We're, we're going to this is going to be more of a big picture free agency draft Vikings offseason uh, preview episode because in the next uh, couple weeks here, really starting any time, we could see some dominoes start to fall as uh, the Vikings are currently at the combine, talking to players, uh, talking to agents. This is kind of when the the uh, the informal talking begins between uh, between teams and agents. So it's an exciting time, and uh, we're excited to have Joe back on. How are you doing, man? I'm great. Happy to be on. I always love chatting with you guys. Uh, talk some ball. This is my favorite time of the year, even more than the season itself. So I'm I'm really pumped. Yeah, yeah. You uh, you told us off air that you are uh, you just put together 300 free agents. <laughs> We 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 were uh, we were impressed with that number, and uh, that takes some that takes some digging. But uh, we'll 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 get into that. Let's start. Uh, let's get you know you're known for Kirk Cousins, so we'll we'll start with that. And the 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 way I want to pose this question to you is, you know, there's been a lot of debate recently. Should the Vikings extend him or let him play out the contract? You're you're really good on the salary cap. So, and this is huge as to how this affects the cap because it affects what the Vikings can do for the rest of free agency, depending on this decision here. So if they do let it play out, let, let's take the one-year extension off the table, because it doesn't seem like that's good for him. Uh, you've tweeted about that extensively. It, or, or the team, really. You know, kicking it down the road one year doesn't really make sense. So let's analyze two different scenarios. Either they let it play out or they do a multi-year extension. How do both of those affect the cap? Well, if you play it out, you can always um, add void years. They already have two void years at uh, six and a quarter million um, each. But the way void years work is that they spread throughout the duration of the contract as long as the player is on the team. So if Kirk were to leave after next year and you just let the contract play out, the dead cap accelerates. So instead of two separate six and, six and a quarter million, six and a quarter million charges, you get one 13 million charge which you know, might sound like a lot. That does sound you a good player. It's not the end of the world. The Vikings just this past season had $10 million dead cap for Anthony Barr. If Dalvin Tomlinson leaves, it's going to be $7.5 million. Uh, the Bucks are saddled with $35 million um, in void year acceleration with Brady leaving. So $12.5 million is not much at all. Um, and then you could always add more. I think that Quasey would probably try to find a line where his um, salary is – $30 million, his cap hits 36 and a quarter. Maybe you convert $10 million of that into signing bonus, spread it out um, over, you know, maybe add a void year or two, reduce his cap hit down to around 30-ish million, 28, 29, 30 million. Uh, and then you'd probably face the dead cap of like 17 or 18 next year, um, up to 20 million. And, and you live with it um, if you really want to move on. But it really, would, that wouldn't make sense because, that would mean you're really trying to contend, but then you're okay with kind of taking a step back because you'd then be eating $20 million in dead cap for a quarterback as Justin Jefferson's contract would be kicking in. Um, so that doesn't really make sense. So I guess you could just leave it alone and 
pay 36 and a quarter million dollar cap hit um, and then move on from him. But at that point, you just trade him because, you know, he'd only be worth a late third, the hundredth pick in a comp, like for a comp pick. You know, when you could probably get at least a first now for him. So that scenario doesn't make sense. But, you know, if people want to get rid of Kirk, then that that's your scenario. <laughs> Some people do. Matt and I are not among them. Um, I, I know you on a personal love for Kirk level. When you, you changed your profile picture to him in a Niners jersey for, for a while there. I, I think I think that, would, you know, from him personally, that would be a good place to go. Although in the next couple of years, they're kind of reaching a level where they're going to they're getting old in some positions and have contracts coming up for some of their good players on defense. But I do think the next couple of years, if he went there. They'd, they'd certainly be among the top the top contenders. Matt and I want to see him stay here. And I also think another guy who does is Justin Jefferson. I mean, how do you go to just, these people who are like, oh, just trade Kirk or take a QB in the first round this year, somehow maneuver your way up to, you know, Anthony Richardson is the sexy name. People keep, I'm not high on him at all, but people keep throwing his name out there. If you do that, before you sign Justin Jefferson, why would he want to sign and stay here? Other than the fact that, you know, he secures the money before any injury could happen. But I think Jefferson wants Kirk here probably more than anybody. Yeah, exactly. And it's the NFL, so money is not, obviously not guaranteed contractually, but even uh, like projecting forward for contracts. But there are some guys, quarterbacks, like a Patrick Mahomes, let's just say, or Burrow, uh, they don't sign a contract. They Burrow tears the ACL again. He's still going to get paid. In the same way, Kevin Durant, coming off a torn Achilles at 30-something years old, got a full max contract. Jefferson is that caliber of player to where he doesn't necessarily need to secure the bag because he's going to get it no matter what. Um, and I think he would obviously want Kirk to be there. Uh, he's put up these numbers, and you look at the quarterbacks who Jefferson excelled with. He excelled in college with Joe Burrow. Uh, and he's excelled in the NFL with Kirk Cousins. These aren't flashy playmakers. These are pinpoint, accurate pocket passers um, who, you know, he's a technician. He wants to work with a technician quarterback. And I think it's a match made in heaven. So uh, obviously, unless you're getting Patrick Mahomes, which you're obviously not, or bringing Burrow in because of that connection, uh, honestly, what what would be better than Kirk for what you can get? I think another guy who probably would object to seeing Kirk leaving is TJ Hawkinson, uh, especially as someone who's seen the other side of, you know, being on a team that doesn't win a lot of games. You know, I think to go to to Mark, the second part of Marshall's question, what do you see as potential, a potential extension looking like for Cousins, you know, that you think is realistic? Um, not Not necessarily getting into what is, you know, is Kirk worth versus, you know, what some of these people want him to do, which is take a massive pay cut. How could you see that playing out? And then what would you see as potential extensions for both Hawkinson and and uh, JJ? So with Kirk, we're going to have to see, because um, I think right now the market value is in the low 40s, somewhere between, let's just say, 39 to 43, 44 million a year. That's the market value. Um, that's what... Uh, Dak signed for Stafford. Um, Russell Wilson got more than that. Kyler Murray got way more than that. That's the market value. I do think, now again, I don't, I haven't talked to Kirk about this. 
I do think that Kirk would be willing to sign for maybe 37, 38 on a three-year deal, you know, mostly guaranteed, giving him that security. So maybe a four-year deal, including this one. I think that he would probably be open to that. But let's just say 40 million a year. So a three-year, $120 million deal. If you include this year, it would be uh, four years, 150. Um, I think that that would be um, a reasonable contract uh, that benefits both sides. And then uh, for Jefferson, whatever, uh, I don't think any receiver is going to be getting paid this year because um, all the 2019 guys got locked up um, from the 2020 class. He's the number one. So you take the number one contract, which was, you know, Tyreek or Devontae Adams, and then probably add three, four million a year on top of that. And that's what Jefferson's looking at. Uh, Hawkinson's the interesting one because there is no tight end comp. Kelsey signed his contract a while ago. Mark Andrews signed his contract before he had that real breakout uh, in 2021. Kittle, same thing. So, and even Goddard uh, signed his contract before he had his best season. So people are thinking $15 million a year for Hawkinson. With the way the cap's going, I'm thinking that's probably like 18, 19. He could even demand up to 20 a year, which I wouldn't do. I like Hawkinson, but I don't think he's that level of game changer. And uh, if you're able to kind of maneuver it the right way, you could have essentially rented Hawkinson for a reasonable deal, you know, last year and this year. Then you let him walk. So you trade a second and a third. You get back two fourths and then the third round comp pick. So you net out at a slight loss to rent a really quality player for two years. Uh, that's what I would do. If, if Hawkinson's willing to sign for $15 million a year, even 16, you know, give him the pen and paper and do that, you know, four years, 64, get it done. But if he wants four years, 80, sorry, I can't do that. I think that's I think that's fair. Go ahead, Matt. You uh, the, you mentioned Dalvin Dalvin Tomlinson. You know there are a couple of other vets. Um, you know on this team with uh, you know big cap hits. People are uh, you know always debating about who's going to stay, who's going to go. Putting on your prognosticator hat. You know, take us through what you anticipate happening for Tomlinson, for Harrison Smith for Thielen, for um, uh, DJ Ham, and then for, um, you know, you, the, you know, I will do Dalvin. Eric Kendricks and Dalvin Cook. I was going to say you missed Joe's favorite player. Dalvin I do not I, want to see Dalvin Cook on the team next year. I, I, <laughs> these are things like I just can't – he's not very good. I'll just say that right now. He was very good. He's not. You look at every single metric that isn't just sheer, like, volume rushing – and he's towards the bottom of the league. Rush yards over expected. Missed tackles forced even. Like, he, he's not a very good player, especially at that money. Like, I will lose all my faith in Quasey and his regime and his front office if they keep Dalvin Cook. That goes without saying. Um, Thielen should be gone unless he's willing to take a massive pay cut. Adam Thielen on the open market, maybe because the wide receiver market's barren, it might be more. He's a five, six million dollar player. Um, you know, if you look at the metrics, like he was there with like Mac Hollins and DeAndre Carter, uh, Noah Brown as these guys who are like fringe, you know, starting ish receivers, like wide receiver three fours who just got forced into high pass offenses. So they stumbled into like six, 700 yards, but he had the fewest contested catches amongst qualified receivers, like fewest contested catch percentage, like bottom three in yards per route run. You, know, you could see it. Adam Thielen was not very good. 
So unless he's willing to take a massive pay cut, he can go. Kendricks can go. Honestly, all of them can go. Um, the um, I, I want Dalvin Tomlinson to stay. I think he's the best player that you mentioned. Uh, it comes down to the money, though. Uh, this defensive tackle market, very similar to the tight end market, where you have like Aaron Donald at the top at $30 million, and then you go all the way down, and it's like Chris Jones. But then like that middle class of guys between 13 to $17 million, there's no one really there. So we're going to see how that settles. Um, but either way, there are a lot of really solid starting level players who could give you 85, 90% of what Dalvin Tomlinson gives you for a fraction of the cost. So just to clarify, you would, you would cut Harrison Smith or you'd let him go at this uh, point? Harrison, Harrison Smith's tough. Um, uh, what I, ideally, you do what Philly did with Fletcher Cox last year. He had his um, money due, and he was scheduled to make like 18, 19 million. They wanted him there. He's still a good player, heart and soul. wasn't quite what he was, but you give him still an above market contract, more than anyone else would have given him, but less than he was scheduled to make. You come back, and that's how I would do it. He's scheduled to make like 16 million in new money. Say, listen, come on, you're a 34 year old safety. You're not getting that. Like, why don't you take like $10 million? That's still more than anyone would give you. Uh, and you're, you know, it's, it honestly benefits all sides because you're not taking a pay cut. Because if, if it came down to it, I would cut him. I'm not paying $19 million. You post June 1, it's a $3.9 million dead cap. You eat the $7 million the next year, fine. The cap's going to be 250 something million. You can eat the $7 million. You're not paying a 35 year old safety 20 plus million a year. So, yeah, if, if he wants to play hardball, I'll play it. Everyone can go. The defense can't get worse than it's been the past three years. It, it just can't. Like, whether you have Harrison Smith or not, or you bring in Nasir Adderley or whoever, you know, free agent you like, Marcus Epps, bring him in, uh, Juan Thornhill, whoever. Is the defense going to get that much worse? I don't think so. Yeah, um, I agree with 90% of what you said. I do think Harrison Smith will, just like following his career, I do think he will take a pay cut and stay with the Vikings. Um, this is a guy who, who I think wants to end his career with the Vikings, um, but we'll see. Uh, and and I, don't, I don't disagree. You can't pay him $19 million. I also don't disagree that Dalvin probably needs to be gone. I just think he's better than you think he is. But I think the Vikings used him very poorly. I don't think he was a fit for the scheme. And O'Connell... Here's the main reason he needs to go. Oh, the Vikings passed like the third most percentage-wise in the league. So you can't, even if Dalvin Cook was in his prime, you can't pay a running back when you're already paying a quarterback. You're going to pay a wide receiver. You're paying a right tackle. You got to pay the left tackle soon because Derrissaw's damn good. You can't pay a running back that much money in Kevin O'Connell's system, no matter who the running back is. And if he's taking a step back, then even more so. So I, I agree with you there that, and some people suggesting Alexander Madison should be retained. I don't think so. That, that, that he doesn't do much for me. I, I've never been a huge Madison fan and you're going to have to pay him more than you would pay a rookie. As the chiefs proved, you can find rookies in the seventh round, like Pacheco and the Vikings really like Ty Chandler uh, from what I've heard. And, you know, you could see him. I don't think he'll be the bell cow, but he could certainly be a part of the running back stable with, with O'Connell. And I just don't love how the running, how Dalvin was used in the system, but I do think whatever team he goes to, if he has the choice of team, 
And now the Vikings may trade him. That may be another thing. But if he has the choice of team, I do think he will have a, a very good year. I think he'll surprise you. But we'll see. We can't well, we'll agree on efficiency. that. Again, you know, he stayed healthy. He wasn't good, but he, he was out there. Uh, I think he could get, you know, 900,000 yards. But, again, you can go sign a Jeff Wilson or Raheem Mostert. Again, like, Jarek McKinnon, pass catching back, signed for a million bucks. Like, just just go find them. They're, they're there. It's, it's whatever. Yeah, and Ty Chandler's there. Kene Wongwo, if he hasn't gotten reps by now, after two years, probably you're not going to see much of him on offense. But he is fast, really fast, and a great kick returner. So we'll see how they do, how they do that. Um, the next thing I wanted to get into was, and you mentioned the defense. We'll get into Brian Flores because you watched him for many years in New England, uh, helping with that defense. But the free agency, because you've spent a lot of time on this, and I find it interesting. You were throwing out some takes that the Vikings could actually improve this defense quite dramatically if they focus in free agent, if they you know are able to clear enough cap space through some of the moves you mentioned. Um, they can find some defensive players, and it's a pretty defensive friendly free agent class, isn't it? Oh, for sure. I'm pulling up my spreadsheet on my other monitor now, and I'm looking like in terms of just the defensive line. So we'll just take like down, like defensive tackle, defensive lineman, all types of guys. If you want a nose tackle, you got it. You want a pass rushing three tech, you got it. You want a run stuffer, you got it. You want a versatile edge. And like, I'm not talking breaking the bank. Uh, same thing with linebackers, tons of linebackers. You rebuild your linebacking core. The secondary, you can do so many different things. And I'll just say my strategy would be depth and almost treating free agency like a pseudo draft class where you take guys who are no older than 27 and who might have underperformed or might fit certain roles. You bring them in for cheap on multi-year deals. I call it like the Harrison Phillips model, I guess. Like he would be more of the high floor type guy but you sign him for more than one year. You sign him to a three-year deal at a reasonable number. And you say, okay, we got a starter for 5 million bucks a year. Perfect. You know, that's how you sort of treat it. Like, I don't want just one-year deals. You can maybe sprinkle those in, you know, if you want to bring Patrick Peterson back. If you want to go get, you know, a more veteran player. Um, I think Bobby Wagner would be out of the price range. Same thing with Levante David. Um, let me look at some other linebackers. But if you want to bring in, like uh, Alex Singleton, who had a really nice season in Denver. You know, you could do that. Um, but, you know, he's 29, 30. I'm talking more, you know, three, four-year deals, guys. Take them through their prime, and hopefully coaching can build them up. Um, Devin Bush is someone who was a former first-round pick, didn't really play well. But at least according to the grading and different metrics, um, missed tackle rates and all that, had his best season under Brian Flores last year. Uh, you know, he's only 25. Why not try to get him on a three, four year deal? Say, hey, we're going to give you more guaranteed money than anyone else. You're with a coach you like, you know, four million bucks a year, you know, instead of taking a one year, three million dollar prove it deal. Um, something like that. Yeah, I, I, I think it's exciting because they they need to get younger and they need to get faster. Uh, I, I think you saw, you know, Eric Hendricks chasing Saquon Barkley around in that playoff game it was painful to watch. And I mean, Hicks as well, you know, they, they brought in, it was interesting. They moved to the three, four, but then kept Kendricks who really is not a three, four player. You, you needed a guy more built. Like I'm not saying Anthony Barr exactly. Cause he was injury prone and, you know, making a lot of money, but they needed guys built like Anthony Barr 
if they wanted to play that 3-4 system. So it'll be interesting to see, Can does Flores, and Kevin O'Connell mentioned this at the Combine a couple days ago, can we first see what players we have and then form the defense around those players? Because, you know, Flores, yeah, sure, he has his system, but hopefully he tailors it a little bit more to the players he has. I think that was one big complaint uh, with, with Donatel last year. And speaking of some of those players, the 2022 draft class, I think, is going to be key because when you do have a quarterback making a lot of money like Kerr and some other big money players, you need players on rookie deals at other positions to contribute. And the Vikings got almost nothing from that draft class, primarily due to injury. Uh, Brian Asamoah showed some flashes. You had a Caleb Evans at times looked like potentially he could be a good player. But their top two picks, Lewis Seen and, and Andrew Booth, barely played. So of that draft class, primarily a defensive heavy draft for the Vikings last year, do you have hope for any of those guys to step in in Flores' system? I wouldn't bank on it. And I know you, know, you guys you guys are optimists, and I, I love that. Uh, but let's be honest. The Vikings have the worst defensive core, like roster building-wise, in the league. If you were looking at the Bears or the Packers, and you saw what they had, like, you know, Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter, who are getting up there, you know, in our in tricky contract situations, and like overpaid old linebackers, and then they're banging the drum for Brian Osimo, who played like 150 snaps, uh, and a Caleb Evans, who you know got absolutely wrecked, and then has a huge concussion history, and Lewis Seen coming off a snapped leg, you'd be like, that's a joke, you know, and you'd be laughing at them trying to like be optimistic about it. Uh, of course, there's a chance. I think Asamoa probably has the best chance. But, guys, let's remember, he's more of, like, a sub-package type guy. I don't think he is a true, like, three-down linebacker. He's, you know, a rangy guy. Maybe if they play, you know, a lot of nickel, which I don't know what they'll do because they were pretty much base nickel last year. I don't know what they'll do with Flores. He's rangy. He's a good player. But we're talking about, like, a second linebacker as, like, the one you have the most confidence in. Uh, so we'll see. They need seen. I, I I think I mean that's their first round pick, and he but was a stud in Georgia. But that time. yeah, it's a bad injury. You know maybe, and I don't think it's like a death sentence for his career. But I definitely think next year. Like obviously, I'm not a pro athlete, but I had a very similar injury where I you know, snapped my leg, and I was back walking, and I could even you know jog and run within six months. But when it came to even just playing like recreational sports long long time you look at gordon hayward a celtics fan in the nba he had that huge injury and he was back you know we would see videos of him you know on like the treadmill within six months but when it comes to came to being in game shape and playing totally different dak prescott quarterback so he needs to rely on that much less but before his injury he was running for three four hundred yards a year and five touchdowns now he's tom brady essentially mobility wise so that difference in mobility matters for a safety not really for a quarterback so I think eventually he might be able to get back, but like you can't bank on it, especially in 2023. Like, you know, and and it would be malpractice from an executive standpoint to treat holes as if they're filled because you have that draft class coming in. You know, maybe Asamoa you can treat as like you know your third linebacker, you know, or second linebacker. But other than that, you cannot bank on anyone else actually playing meaningful snaps. So, uh, Joe, I. How would you handle in terms of obviously the defense is a priority, but heading into the draft versus free agency, you know, 
I think there's the focus on the defense and then there's the focus on the maybe the interior of the offensive line uh, with Bradbury as a you know free agent. And then there's the wide receiver two position. How do you prioritize them and sort of where in your ideal, what would your be your ideal roadmap for where you go draft versus free agency for filling those positions? Well, wide receiver two is the number one need by far. Like there is not, a, there's nothing comes close to that. Um, I, I've put out a thread on this. I've banged the drum. This offense is good with a legit number two. If you could build a time machine and get Adam Thielen from three years ago, wow, with Hawkinson and Jefferson, that doesn't exist. KJ Osborne cannot be a two. I do not want to hear that. Like he is not a number two. He is a mediocre number three at best who just plays again in a pass heavy offense. So he happens to have a couple of games. Either way, not to make this a KJ Osborne rant, but nearly half of his yards came in the second half against Indy in the first half in that week. 18 game against Chicago. Other than that, like he was the worst receiver out there who got like, however, like, you know, seven, 800 snaps. Like he was that bad, but I digress. That's number one, because, you know, one defensive player you add, I don't care who that defensive player is. You know, you add Jalen Ramsey or even, you know, sauce Gardner to this defense. It's better. It's goes from the 31st unit to the 24th. I think you could do that many different ways. To go from eighth to third on offense, that marginal difference, totally different stratosphere. And again, as you work your way up, you know, the ladder, that marginal difference gets a lot harder to achieve. So wide receiver in the draft, because there is no wide receiver on the free agent market who can change life. And even, you know, people talk about a DJ Chark. He's going to get 14, 15 million a year. And you can get like four guys on defense for that price. Um, so wide receiver in the draft, be smart on defense. You know, maybe you splurge and you get a player maybe up to $10 million. But I want guys who are in the three to five, six million dollar range and that you can build around and you can say, okay, I know I can get at least 500 snaps from them, you know, and know how, how I'm going to use them. You know, you look at like the Patriots, you know, I look at Jabril Peppers. He graded out really well because they used him as a box safety. They rotated their players, many different guys playing. I think Flores will do that. You won't have Harrison Smith playing every single snap. You won't have Eric Kendricks or whatever other linebacker playing every other snap. Use guys in different ways, mix and match them. But that's how I build the defense. And then, you know, you use your other picks. Um, interior offensive line, relatively set. I wouldn't re-sign Bradbury. I'd let him walk and maybe draft the center. Um, then there are other cheaper options as well. So you kind of have to see that, look at the market. But I really don't think it's that pressing. Um, so, yeah, wide receiver and then volume for uh, the defense. That's the general sort of. Roadmap. We're on we're on the same page with wide receiver too. They they need another. I mean, it just makes Jefferson that much more unstoppable. Um, and Hawkinson, the connection he had with Kirk over the middle. I mean, that would just go to new heights. I think with a legit weapon on the other side, there are some. Uh, I'm biased. I like Jordan Addison from USC a lot. I don't think he's going to last till 23, though. They might need to make a move up if that's the one they identify. But there's, it seems like there's going to be three guys around that area, at least in the mocks I've seen. And I like that simulator on PFF. Who doesn't? Um, but Jordan Addison, and then you have Smith and Joku from Ohio State, and you have Zay Flowers from Boston College near, near where you are. Um, 
Of the and then there's a guy from TCU who seems like he'll go he'll go higher. Nelson, I think his name is. So, you know, of those guys, do you make a move for one of them? Do you try to stay at 23? There's no second round pick for the Vikings right now, so they're a little hamstrung there. But do you like uh, any of those three guys in particular for wide receiver two? Yeah, I wouldn't trade up pretty much under any circumstance um, because you're in a pick deficit, um, and I don't think that you have like that. There's a guy where I'm like, holy cow. You know, this really underscores the biggest mistake Quasey made last year, which was trading down and moving on from Jamison Williams, who was who would be who was arguably wide receiver one going into that draft last year and would be like leaps and bounds ahead of anyone in this class. Uh, and he also stylistically fits what you need uh, as, you know, a six plus foot speed demon, whereas now you're looking at more undersized guys. I like Jackson Smith and Jigba because the way I look at it is if you're looking to win now, and then obviously like I I'm looking at, you know, between a three to a five, six, six years at most window for Kirk. So I'm looking, you know, on the duration of that rookie contract, you know, I'm looking, you know, to you know maximize now. So I want to win now. I like JSN because I think that he has the highest floor. And I say, I have the luxury of having Justin Jefferson, who's the best receiver in the league. I don't need to have a top 10 receiver to be my wide receiver too. I just want a guy who has the best chance of being a top 20, 25 receiver. And I think that that's in jig, but he can come in immediately and play the slot. You know, you, ha you have all that, you have Jefferson out there. It doesn't really matter. Um, you know, if you have that second guy who can create separation and scare the defense, that's what's most important. You know, if, if we were talking about even like a CD lamb being our number one receiver, then I'd be like, you got to swing for the fences more, but Jefferson is so good that you just need like a legitimate, you know, starting level, you know, wide receiver too. And then uh, also like he's, the knock on him is the same with Jefferson where uh, he only played the slot. But that's because he was playing with Olave, Garrett Wilson last year, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. And the last thing is he actually has some size to him. It's about six, six, one, 200 pounds. Uh, whereas Addison and um, Flowers, and then you go to like Josh Downs, Nathaniel Dell, uh, Parker Washington, all of those guys between like 5'9", five, 5'10 five, on a good day, and all under like 170 pounds, 175 pounds. Um, so I worry about that. Uh, so that's why I like JSN, but I would not be upset with Addison or Zay Flowers. One, one thing I wanted to hear from you, Joe, was uh, on Brian Flores, because you watched him in New England for many, many years. And then, you know, you're still a Patriots fan. You watch him play them for the Miami Dolphins when he was head coach there turned around that defense in rapid fashion. Um, what do you make of the, of the hiring of Flores for the Vikings? Yeah, I think the main selling point to him was letting him shop for the ingredients, you know, and have a say in it, which I think he will. And what I wanted to see last year, which is don't use the same guys, especially that was a veteran defense all the way around every snap, you know, bring in guys who have specific roles, rotate guys in, um, you know, have game have game plans specific to your opponent, not just run the same exact type of defense, whether you're playing a run-first uh, Bears team or an air-it-out team like Buffalo. Like, you know, that's, I think, the main thing. Um, you know, actually game planning for opponents, using guys differently in the ways that they're best, that suits their skill set. Uh, so that's a Patriots thing, Flores... Uh, is probably one of the only guys who's shown that he can do that outside of New England. I think that was a home run hire. 
Uh, and then hopefully you get him to stick around for at least one more year and you get two uh, third round compensatory picks when he inevitably gets hired as a head coach. Yeah, absolutely. That's another another plus. Really, there's not, not many minuses, in my opinion. That was a phenomenal hire. I agree. Last question. Uh, Matt's internet is being funky. So he sent me his question. He sent you the question, too. And I'll just read it for, for the listeners out there. Regardless of need for the Vikings, who is the one guy in this draft? I think he means just overall that we'll remember from that we'll remember in five years. Oof. I have I haven't done my huge draft deep dive, so I'm I'm trying not to go with the completely uh you know basic answer of like you know Bryce Young, Jalen Carter. Um, I guess th- this uh, this is really this is a really tough question. I'm gonna go with now. I'm I'm stalling for time. I'm stalling for time. <laughs> I'll go with I'll go with um Joey Porter Jr. Um, I think that he's gonna bring that physicality. He's going to, he's going to be a type of guy who might change how cornerback is played a bit. Um, you know, you see like the, he's, he has length and, but he's, you know, physical. I think we'll, he'll kind of try to bring back a physical sort of presence. So I'll go with Joey Porter Jr. But I, I don't really see super duper star written on anyone in this draft. Um, you know, especially at premium positions. Sounds good. Well, we'll take it. Uh, and by the way, the stalling for time, Great tactic in law school when the professor calls on you and you're not quite sure what the answer is, but you need a little more time to think. That was that was that was a good uh, that was a good effort at it right there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we got a minute. Yep. All right. That's all the time we have today. Uh, thank you again to Joe Spinoza. You can follow him at Real Joe Spinoza. And Joe, uh, we'll have you on again uh, either before the draft or after uh, the draft and free agency to react to uh, to everything the Vikings do. All right. Sounds good. Maybe when Kirk signs his extension. Yeah, well, or we'll have a celebratory episode for that as well. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. All right. All right. Have a good one, guys. All right. See ya.